Welcome to the February 2023 episode of Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. It's February, it's sunny, it's raining, it's hot, it's cold, it's spring, it's winter. It's a mix, mix, mix of emotions, hibernating, going out, bright colours, still wearing black. Don't know what I'm doing, don't know what I'm feeling. What's the rest of the year going to look like? Is Is there any tomatoes in the supermarket? What's going on with the food chain? And uh, yeah. Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm <laughs> Selena Godden. I'm here in the studio with Pamarose Abrams. And Matt Abbott. And we're going to bring you a beautiful show of art and culture and poetry and books and theatre and gorgeous activism and all the best of the best of the best things. But first, let's just take a breath and listen to a piece of music. What's our first track? Little Fluffy Clouds. Little nice. Fluffy Clouds. Over the past few years, to the traditional sounds of an English summer, the drone of lawnmowers, the smack of leather on willow, has been added a new noise. What were the skies like when you were young? They went on forever. When I, we lived in Arizona, and the skies always had little fluffy clouds in them, and they were long and clear, and there were lots of stars at night. And uh, when it would rain, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire. The clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's it, neat, because I used to look at them all the time when I was little. You don't see that.
birds always had little fluffy clouds in them, and uh, they were long and clear, and there were lots of stars at night. And uh, when it would rain, it would all turn. It, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire, and the clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's it, me, because I used to look at still see them in the desert. Welcome back. This is Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose. I'm here with Selena Gordon and Matt Abbott. We're also joined by comedian Rich Hardesty. Hello, Welcome. hello, hello. <laughs> hello there. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, Good we're to be okay. Here. Yeah, we're, we're going to be catching up with you a bit later in the show, mm-hmm. mainly talking about well, your work and your show. Cool. Excited. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Because you've got a tour coming up, haven't you? I do, yes, yeah. on the 4th of April. Yes, we're yeah. going to hear all about that later. Cool. That's going to be exciting. But next up, we've got Matt's Poetry Roundup. And I think we're all just in shock. Is it, is it, is it real? Is it a hologram? We are actually <laughs> all in the studio together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. I've never been here before. This is my first show. Who's Matt? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, how has it been? How is everything with you? And how's the new baby? Oh, yeah. The cartoons are good. Being up at five o'clock in the morning's good. Changing nappies is good. I, I love it. It's great. <laughs> All right, wonderful. So <laughs> the, the we'll... pain in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So poetry events all around the country. I tried to spread it around a little bit, just um, I'm representing the North. So up first, on Thursday the 2nd of March, everybody's favourite poet, the hardest working poet on the scene, the poet that everyone loves to see, Mr Luke Wright, is in Stockton on Tees at the Ark with his show, The Remains of Logan Dankworth. It's the third of his trilogy of political verse plays. That's in Stockton, which is basically Middlesbrough, on the 2nd of March. We're going to get loads of angry tweets now from people in Stockton. On the 6th of March in Bristol, go to see Milk Poetry at the Wardrobe Theatre. It's only £8, and you can see Pete the Temp and Emmy the Harp, hosted by Malika Kagodi. I don't know if it's a coincidence that it's Pete the Temp and Emmy the Harp, or if that's a deliberate pairing of Pete the and Emmy the. I like that, though. They could swap. They could. Pete the Harp and Emmy the Temp. They could do. I don't... But either way, Milk Poetry is always a great night. So if you're in the Southwest, go to that on the 6th of March. Tuesday, the 7th of March in Brighton, you can see She Drew the Gun at Comedia. She Drew the Gun is an amazing indie band fronted by Louisa Roach, but she's doing a tour which is acoustic and poetry. So she's doing half poetry, half acoustic, and then she has poets supporting her as well. So it is a poetry night. That's a, a, a tour that's going around the country, but I've picked out Brighton on the 7th of March at Comedia, really, which is a great I, venue. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. I, I did a gig yeah. with them recently for um, Extinction Rebellion at oh, the yeah. Tate. So shout out to um, to, the, to them. Lovely She's people. amazing, isn't yeah, she, Louisa? Good, She's good, so good. good. Yeah. 
8th of March in Salford, International Women's Day. I know there's loads of events going going on, uh, but I just wanted to pick this one out at Salford. It's at the Salford Arts Centre, and it's a, a poetry and music evening presented by Blue Balloon Theatre Company, um, featuring poetry from established poets, but also a lot of community groups in the local area that are for women to share their um, poetry. So that, that'll be great on the 8th of March. On the 10th of March, up in Edinburgh, we have Loud Poets. They're at the Scottish Storytelling Centre. Joel Taylor, Michael Mullen... Timo H. Peel and Angie Strachan. Um, Loud Poets is probably the best night in Scotland, I reckon. So if you're up there, go there. Also on the 10th of March, Birmingham hit the Ode. They're doing a crossover event with Unislam at the Hippodrome. So there's Ella Frears, Jack Underwood, Tolu Agbalusi and Bogdan Piasecki. So that's uh, pay what you feel between £5 and £8 in Birmingham. On the 15th of March, down here in London, that's what everyone wants to hear, down in London, jaw dance at Rich Mix with Joel Taylor, Red Medusa, Cecilia Knapp and host Cat Francois, which is a phenomenal lineup. Yeah, that's it? an amazing lineup. Really that good lineup. Great. At, yeah. Um, jaw dance at Rich Mix. And then the following night, on the 16th of March, Outspoken is at the South Bank Centre. Claudia Rankin is over doing a very rare wow. UK reading because um, she's got a new collection coming out on Penguin very soon. Uh, Jacob Polly, Stephanie... Stephanie Sukwik, Sukia and host Joel Taylor. So that's outspoken at the South Bank. On the 16th of March, also, if you're in my neck of the woods, come to the Leeds Library. It's a 255-year-old library in the centre of town. It's stunning. We've got Claire Shaw and Nafisa Hamid at Chelpin, plus open mic. And then finally, on the 30th of March, in Huddersfield, Helen Mort is at the Lawrence Batley Theatre as part of a Lit Fest. So there's loads of stuff going on. We're really getting into the year now, aren't we? I know what you said about February. It's a bit of an awkward time, but I feel like... Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just about to go through into the jaws of spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all blossom and daffodils and all the things start happening. Everyone's again. coming out, everyone's ideas they came up with over the last few weeks are like coming to fruition and Yeah. yeah. All the so I can up. feel it, it's fizzy. I can actually hear, audibly hear daffodils going pop, pop, <laughs> opening everywhere. Just like people's <laughs> ideas go pop, pop, pop. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Tall posters are going on Instagram. Well, yeah. Yep. Plans are coming. Well, the yeah. summer exactly. festivals are starting to do their yeah. invites and everything. Ah, we're not messing about anymore. We it are is 2023. Not, we are oh, not messing things about. Things are actually going to happen. We are going to do people and noise. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> people and noise. Yeah. Yes, right. Uh, I've picked out a couple of books. Um, there's a book that's just been released by Verve, which is called Like Flyering for the Revolution. It's the Verve Anthology of Protest Poems, uh, selected and edited by Kim Moore. So that came out on the 16th of Feb. And obviously it's a poetry anthology full of protest poems. I don't really need to say much more. It sounds great. It looks great. And this was a competition that Verve ran. So they always run a competition as part of a festival. This year the theme was protest. And yeah, this was judged and selected and introduced by Kim Moore. So that's called Like Flyering for the Revolution. You can get that now. You can also get uh, Content Warning Everything by Akweke Amezi, which has just come out on Bloomsbury. Um, Content Warning Everything concerns itself with the fugitive nature of being in the world, especially, but not exclusively, with blackness. The poems reshape possibilities for poetry by paying close attention to the author's rhythm of thought, making a series of durable anthems from the noise of a contemporary moment. So that is out now on Bloomsbury. Republic by Neris Williams is out on Serum Books on the 27th of Feb, which is... Uh, Monday um, what constitutes a republic not Wales a nation subject to military claims on its landscape and a second home explosion which has hollowed out most of its communities the achievement of a republic can be a subversive activity as was the writing of republic it looks fascinating about the social and political landscape of, Wa- uh, of Wales Serum Books obviously a poetry press that champions Welsh writers so that's called Republic by Neris Williams out on Monday Trustfall by William G. Uh, is out on Outspoken Press on the 23rd of March. 
Trustfall is an exhalation of loss, a lean into frailty and bodily abandon. In the language of stomach and synapse, G maps a path towards accepting unwellness. Sounds amazing. And everything on Outspoken generally is. Uh, and then finally, White Ghosts by Katie Hale. That is out on the 23rd of March also. Uh, White Ghosts is the debut collection by poet and novelist Katie Hale. It traces maternal lines and the legacies of slavery and whiteness interwoven into the fabric of America through revealing unflinching poems. Travelling deep into an intimate history that spans both sides of the Atlantic, Hale unravels the language haunting those narratives we choose to tell in official versions through museum labels and civic statues and in handed down stories. So that's White Ghosts by Katie Hale, available to pre-order now on the 23rd of March. And finally, um, I just want to mention uh, Jay Ivey was the first ever winner of a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Poetry Album. It was his sixth poetry album. It's called The Poet Who Sat By The Door. We're going to play a track from it uh, just because it's newsworthy. It's yeah, not necessarily, and we can chat uh, about it. We're yeah. going to hear some lovely Wu-Tang Clan, then we're going to hear some Jay Ivey, and we're going to come back with some takes, some hot takes. We are. Hot. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> enjoy Wu-Tang first. One, two, one, two. Yo, check this out. It's the jump for right there. I want everybody to put your rope down. Put your guns down. And you pour it to the pit. The gravel pit. Leave your problems at home. Leave your children at home. Before taking back underground. I be Bobby Bowden. Wu-Tang clan on your mind one time. It's the jump for. So just jump for, my nigga. Stalks and Clark Wallabies, African killer bees, black watch, on your radio, blowing out your watch, from Park Hill to House of Haunted Hill, every time you walk by your back, get a chill, let's build, want to talk about skill, I spit like a semi-automatic to the grill, elbow grease and elbow boom, baby play me, baby fall down, go boom, party people gather round, count down to apocalypse, I'm the kid with the golden arms, and I'm the motherfucking hot nicks, pass the blunt. My nigga don't front, you had it for a minute but it seemed like a month Now I'm choking, smoking, hoping I don't croaking from overdosing Dosing. Hey kid, when the map got you open, let's ride Can't stand niggas that floss too much Can't stand Bentleys, they cost too much Kid wanna get up, then can't get touched Kid wanna stick up, then can't get stuck I'm the one that calls you bluff when your boy's trying to act tough Remember what old Dirty said, I'll fuck your ass up Shorty, do your thing, get up on that right now, boo. Do yeah. you. 
That's what I'm talking about. Step to my groove, move like this. When we shoot the gift, of course it's ruthless. Grab the mic with no excuses in a sec. Grab the text and loot this. Executing, shaking no sets. And now I'm breaking all hex. I'm taking all bets. Move on best. Who won't the draw next? You won't stink. We got the bigger bank. Bigger shank to fill your tank. Still the same kill for real. Ride and crank, slide, do or die. Fry the bait, admire the grades. On fire with a heart of hate. Bit of shark, every part I take. Heavy darts to quake. It's on okay. all fakes. Get caught by the drop kicks. You know the thrill, yes, it's Park Hill. Yo, we hit him with the hot grits. On the go, check the flow. Singing woo, don't rock shit. Stop quick, hold the gossip. Stop sweating my pockets. I hear the hot shit. Life is a marathon, a maze of magic and mystery. On our quest to make our mark on history, we're sometimes troubled by the terrain. It's tough, but the aim remains the same. The mountaintop, the podium, breaking through the tape at the end of the race, in spite of the pain. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. My feet don't get tired, but my feet don't get tired. Giving up, what's that? Life, how you running in circles, man? What track? We on the go as soon as our feet in the ground make contact. In fact. Each step taken might not be exact, but we grow through the pain of every bruise, every scratch. Don't trip. Get those knees up. Don't skip. Run through the competition, the division, your mind's negative dimensions. Don't let your doubts weigh you down. Fear suffocating every time that it's found. Don't put matter over your mind. Breathe your dream. Catch a second wind. Move closer to your finish lines. With each rep, better your time, your grind. Don't be alarmed. You in the final stretch, man, pump those arms Kill that noise, remember your joy, your passion Look at the distance you pass, and I'm asking It's exhausting, but what ain't? Show them you can when they think that you can't You ain't got no restraints Your DNA is a gift Kick, rock, roll, hop on your hips Grip your game, lift your game It's a beautiful mission Your song plays alone, the body listens The effects are stunning one foot in front of the next, your steps keep drumming, your heartbeat beats to the rhythm. All you gotta do is keep running. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. My feet don't get tired, but my feet don't get tired. Moving your feet, even when you feel weak. Don't look to the ground, that's a part of defeat. 
stop looking around Focus hard on the beat Your heart racing you now But you win every week Another day, another dollar But it got you wondering if If life is a gift And you're on the list Then what did you miss? There's gotta be more Can't always be this See, you can either quit or make excuses How you used to be a part of the race Now you run it in place Feeling disgrace Your pride is erased Now you hide in your face Look when I'm on the case See, I don't know nobody stronger than you You continue, be as great as you can Stick to a plan Don't worry who sees you, they might not understand Not a word that you saying But observing you plan Can't be certain what's saying I keep on running But my feet don't get tired Feet don't get tired I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. My feet don't get tired, but my feet don't get tired. In modern day, bad karma is calling itself God and trying to control existence, killing Mother Nature's beauty and purpose. So when fear losing sight, focus on accurate perception of reality and let it strengthen mental capacity and help nurture and maintain spiritual inner peace. No matter how the odds look, truth first, always. To my walking dead, the playwright Shakespeare once said, Rage to the dying of a light. We must maintain a moral compass. I keep on running, but my feet don't get tired. Hello, welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm Emma Rose. I'm here with uh, Selena, Matt and Rich. Hello. Matt, we wanted to ask you a bit about your take on the new category at the Grammys, this uh, spoken word album category. Because obviously you've got your label, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of split on it because when I first when I first saw the news, I was really excited. I was like, oh, it's amazing that spoken word albums are being recognised at the Grammys. Like it's a real validation for the art form. Uh, but I'm kind of frustrated because, like, if I think of all of the best poets in the US, none of them are anywhere near that list. I mean, not that many poets make albums, but even if they wanted to, they wouldn't be able to make an album on that scale. Well, I'll just get John Legend just to do a bit of singing on. Do you know what I mean? It's, and like, yeah. when I look at the credits, even on Wikipedia, there's like 20 engineers and 10 songwriters and 10 producers, and it's this big, like, it, I just don't feel like it's in any way representative. And the thing is, to, to be fair to Jay Ivey, he is a poet. And he has always been predominantly a poet, primarily a poet. Like he was, he was on the Chicago scene in the eighties, and he's been on Def Jam. And like, it's not like some of them. It'll be an actor who writes poetry in his spare time and has got surrounded by yes people. <laughs> Jared Leto or something. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I've, ri- I've written a poetry album. So have you really? It's off the best Grammy. Great. Ka-ching. But like, yeah. JIV actually is a poet. But I just feel like when I think of all the best poets in the US, none of them would be able to make an album on that scale. And the, I stupidly tried entering like submitting an album just for consideration and the number of criteria that you've got to meet it's you you can't possibly do it unless you're on like a huge big budget big big budget big label so it's it's good that it exists but it's also 
Like imagine, I can imagine if all the poets, while you were talking, if all the poets, I can imagine Saul Williams being able to pull it off. Yeah, he's yeah. He's amazing. Potentially. Yeah. There, there might be one or two, but, yeah. but you know, even like Dana Smith, for example, like you just wouldn't. Okay, Tempest. Okay. Might be able, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. She's got, uh, she, uh, they have got a, a, you know, a big team of people behind yeah. them. Yeah. But in, yeah. T- in th- like one or two or three, like, but in terms of a scene in general, it's not. Yeah. These are the best poets out there right now. So it's a bit, and, and a lot of them are people who have just written a poem. Poem is that? But is that because you're like really into poetry? Like, because that's I found that a lot. Once you're into a scene, you you realise that the things that everyone knows about are not the best things that are out there. Well, Rick, I mean? Ricky Gervais winning the comedy award last week. Like, it, that, that was, <laughs> yeah. so what's he even I mean, done lately? <laughs> I think it was for um, Afterlife. I but don't think that's funny. It, I mean, maybe that's a different argument. But I just it's frustrating. I'm saying out of this one. <laughs> it's not. It's 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 not. It doesn't reflect the poetry scene. It reflects people who happen to have written a poem who've got these connections. Like J.I.V. rose to fame really when he was on Kanye West's album College Dropout because yeah. they're both from Chicago. And it, it's yeah, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Basically. It's it's a very slow, slow progress. Um, you know, because I mean, making albums, poetry albums in the nineties. I remember everyone laughing when I was, you know, when I was talking about my ambitions and how, you know, maybe we could enter it for the Brits or maybe we could enter it for, you know, the, you yeah. know, something. And everyone just rolling around laughing. And that was in the nineties, and we haven't really moved on very far from that, you no. know. Yeah. How so many? It, how many people make? Sorry, can I put in? That's not my conversation. But like, how? No, it is it, your conversation. It's, it's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm really interested. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know much about poetry, <laughs> but like, how much? How many people make, like, say with music, I know people, you can make money off being a musician, but, like, how many people actually make money off poetry? Is there a very small amount of people? Uh, or like, what, f- what do you do? Like, albums and, like, live gigs? Not albums, though. A fair amount of people make money out of it, but not through albums. And there's, okay. there's very few people that do albums. Yeah. Well, okay. I think I realised that, I think it works in a very particular way. Like, I realised when, when Andrew Motion was po- Poet Laureate, I thought, I thought, oh, my God, he teaches at Royal Holloway. He's Poet Laureate. He publishes books. He writes yeah. journalism. Yeah. That's kind of how it works as a poet. You, you make your living in several different ways. Lots yeah. of different ways. Like. Okay, yeah. sure. And okay. he was, the, like, I mean, maybe the most um, kind of successful poet in the country but he had five jobs yeah. wow yeah. it's like you know with comedy now you've got to do like make some content and you've got to like have a podcast yeah. all these sorts of things it's like yeah. it's not just one stream yeah gone are the days when you can just lie back with a nice frilly shirt have a little <laughs> bit of lord pontificating yeah. write about the daffodils <laughs> no I miss those days oh, yeah yeah I miss laudanum <laughs> <laughs> um, also the quote at the end um he says, this is from my main man, my favourite playwright, Shakespeare. I know, it's a very famous Dylan Thomas quote. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's no just one a bit said anything. Why didn't anyone notice that? <laughs> it's like centuries later. Yeah. You, should, you should go back and redo that. Is it and rage, just, like, rage? Make sure no one, if yeah, it's on yeah, Spotify. Yeah, yeah. it's the one Dylan Thomas poem that everyone would know. Yeah, that's like, spoken it, at every funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must yeah. be a joke, right? He must have been having a giggle. I don't know, I don't know. Should we tweet him? Yeah. Say, not sure if you've noticed this. Dear Grammys, imagine my disappointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I am writing from the grave. My name is Dylan Thomas. But maybe in 10 years, it will have paved the way. Maybe in 10 years, it'll... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and they might adapt it. Who knows? They might open it out and adapt it to include more indie labels and yeah. things like that, just when they get a scope of what's out there. Yeah. So they do it. Fingers crossed. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so, so exciting. Yeah, I'd like that. All right, let's have some slow tie. He's got a new record out. It's Woo-hoo. called Feel Good. Feel good. 
That was good. I it liked was. that. I like slow tie. Got some interesting stuff. Yeah, big fan. It's it's your go, Matt. It's my go. It is your go. So after slating the person who's just won best Grammy award for spoken word, I've got to walk, read mate. a poem. Yeah. Go on, let's see what you got. Come on. There's no quotes in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In my box, I'll draw a breath, heavy as shopping bags in the rain, as eyelids on sleepless shifts, shoulder in survival. In my box. I'll draw a triangle, canary yellow, hefty borders. I'll sketch a skull and crossbones in the triangle in the box. Through my box, I'll draw a picket line, a row of raging nurses, of postal workers, firefighters, train guards, teachers. Around my box, I'll draw a solemn cue, a centipede of rumbling stomachs, head bowed for handout at the food bank. In my box, I'll write a list of conservative MPs who'd have been sacked, blacklisted in any other profession. In my box, I'll write the pledges honoured by Keir Starmer. For this, I'll require precisely fuck all. (laughs) In my box, I'll draw a tower block, a death trap, an inferno, a body bag in a care home, a dinghy capsized. In my box, I'll start a riot. In my box, I'll swipe my thumb. In my box, I'll write an essay entitled The Less Said, The Better. In their box, they are sleeping. In their box, they are buried. In boxes everywhere, they are writing SOS. In your box, put a cross next to the candidate of your choice. In your box, support the establishment or be silent. In my box, I'll draw a map of Palestinian territories. I'll identify how refugees are palatable from Ukraine. In my box, I'll write a receipt for arms arms sold to Saudi in my box, I'll write the number for donations to Comic Relief. In their box, they're untouchable. In theirs, they're freezing to death. In your box, place a cross next to the candidate of your choice. Mm. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you won't find it by yourself. You're gonna need some help and you
Radio. I'm Amarose Abrams and this is my art roundup for this month. Basically, I've been, I've had a funny old month. I've been doing a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, uh, well, I'll fill you all in later, but I've been doing a lot of going through boxes, a lot top of secret, top secret, top, top secret, secret project. Yeah, <laughs> I of, know what it is, but I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah, going through kind of dirty boxes, not doing as much writing as going I'm used through to the doing. dirty boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that. And so it's been quite a strange month. But in the middle of all of that, I did go to Sharjah for the Sharjah Biennial. And for those who don't know, because I wasn't really sure, it, Sharjah is one of the United Arab Emirates. Uh, I think they've all got quite different. Each is run by, I think, a different family. And it's curated by uh, uh, the Shaker, the princess of the family, Hor. She's amazing, Hor Al Qasimi. And she was an artist and then moved back to try and take on this biennial. And it's a actually very radical political thing that she does there. Wow. And um, so, yeah, as most biennials, it happens every two years, but it's been put off because of the pandemic. I think this is this was put off, I think it's maybe three years instead of two years' work. And basically, it was a tribute to Okwi Emwazor, the um, trailblazing curator who kind of really put into full flow this kind of post-colonial type of curating, looking at art mm. um, through uh, shifting the global context a little bit. And he obviously he was did Documenta, which I think is what inspired Hoare. And then he also did the Venice Biennale, and it was this groundbreaking Venice Biennale. But sadly, he passed away. 
of cancer um, after agreeing to do this one. So they had like a beginning conversation. They had a few messages and um, like back and forth. And she had and he when he was ill said, oh, I think you should do it. And she was like, well, he's given me the blessing. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try and curate this myself. But obviously, it's a massive undertaking and someone is so famous and loved as he was. So basically, this was a ginormous... And it was their 30th anniversary. All this stuff kind of co coincided with the delays. And so it was this huge show um, of artists, 170 artists, and a lot of them got a complete exhibition within that. So wow. they'd be like doing four or five works it was amazing. Lots of film, uh, digital works, painting, massive installation, um, and all from all across. I think there was somebody from every continent, uh, maybe apart from Antarctica, where there's nobody that lives, <laughs> but <laughs> but or, or lives full time. But like there was, it was like there was just so much stuff on view it was quite mind-blowing but it was really interesting and it was people were so excited to come together and look at things in this post-colonial way after Black Lives Matter after all these conversations and it and it was just really everybody from it was it was it was it was from across the world everyone wow. yeah so it was this real massive achievement slightly a lot to take in <laughs> yeah. but a real achievement and some really beautiful work amazing conversations and lots of work from places that I've not explored so there was a lot of work by indigenous artists from australia wow. which obviously i haven't you see but you rarely see in the flesh some amazing photography from different parts of the world so you just a window into people's lives that you've never seen and um, some really lovely exciting work by young palestinian artists wow. and diaspora so that was so there was it was really really cool so i went and did that i wrote it up for wallpaper but yeah, that it was just really, really interesting. And again, just it's just it does it have to be such a controversial thing to rotate the prism a little bit and have a look from another angle? I don't think it really has to be. Yeah. It's just so interesting, and you can just take someone else's point of view and take it as a beautiful thing. Yeah, really, I really enjoyed it. Was that a week? Is it a week? How long? I was it? there for a week. Wow! But it's going to go on, I think, until June. Cool. Yes, it was nice to get some sunshine, <laughs> but it was very busy. But yeah, that was, so that went and did that, and that was really interesting. And I thought I would share that with you. And the other thing I saw, which I, I definitely have talked about it before, but I was talking to Selena about it in the week, and that is um, Nan Golden's documentary, The Beauty and the Bloodshed, oh, yes. which is now out. My yeah. mate went to see that the other day. I, I need to go see, check that out. It's really good. It brings in just all of these. Is that the, about the OxyContin epidemic? Yeah, about OxyContin and about yeah. kind of, and then it goes into the AIDS crisis as well and just how convention and marginalisation can, what it does. Wow, interesting. Basically, it's very clever. And it's Laura Poitras, who was obviously like a, a master craftswoman in terms of documentary. What has she done? She did Citizen Four. Okay. Which I think was the most, and she's, I think she, that, that's the one that's most famous. I think she won an Oscar for it, wow. but it was like she basically ended up, I think there must have been an element of luck with Edward Snowden in the hotel room in Hong Kong mm. once he fled. Yes. So she was like shooting him. And there's a really amazing scene where he's kind of going, oh God, I really need a walk. And he's just trying to do his hair oh. and he's like, oh, 
And you just so slowly see over the course of about a minute, he realises, I can't go outside. Ever again. Yeah, he's just trying <laughs> yeah. to make himself look different. And it's like, no, 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 wow. it's different. It was just, it's crazy. <laughs> but it's a great, great documentary. So that was really cool. And she did a Q&A last weekend in London and she seemed on top form. She was talking to Sean O'Hagan. I, I sensed a little bit of chemistry. I don't want to speak out of turn. <laughs> but they, was like, they had like a great kind of like chat. So, yeah, they're both quite wild. And so <laughs> it was great to see them kind of talk to each other about kind of like in the most relaxed way because about all their kind of their histories and their kind of experiences and then her work now was really really good um yeah so my friend was saying is uh, that documentary she didn't she, something happened to her and she got hooked on something and she was she to... had surgery and then she says that no one spoke to her about um her addiction history yeah okay when prescribing her oxycontin which i think it yeah you should at least do a little background check yeah just ask because yeah. i think she took it and then she got addicted to it and then she was addicted to it for a long time and i think and she but she managed to get herself off it and she talks in the um in the film she ods okay i mean i think it was really really serious and she was taking a lot of it and she, oh she's actually using it at the time of this documentary getting oh made. no no i think after okay okay she okay. talks through it all and okay. everyone involved in the sackler pain campaign which i think was a very small group of activists they all have been touched by addiction in some way they've either had addiction problems or they've lost someone wow yeah, so it's yeah. like a real core of about 12 people who were trying to kind of fight against this family one of the most, family, yeah, yeah. most powerful families in the US and really the only place where they've been brought to justice is probably the one place where people thought they wouldn't be which was in the art world because mainly she pushed and said I will she started with the National Gallery and said I won't show my pictures I'll cancel this show unless you take down this name or I think they couldn't because a lot of the time it's literally engraved into the stone it's quite difficult to take it down yeah but it's like, you know, where they have these wings and these branches and these libraries. But they, she did say, um, unless you stop taking the money. From the, uh, from the Sacklers? Yeah, from the Sacklers. I'm, I'm, I'm cancelling the show. I don't want to do it because they've caused so much damage to my life, basically. Yeah. And then from that, it just snowballed. But when you think about, and then the documentary came out last year, but I think they were saying in 2021, it was the highest ever record, recorded deaths for people dying from using fentanyl o and fentanyl, oxycontin yeah. as well. Oh, so mad. So it's still snowballing there, but it's a lot. It's, it's huge in the US because I think they're having this policy of pushing. They said they wanted, um, what was it, a, a, snow, a snowstorm of prescriptions across the country was the quote from the family oh, wow. from someone who worked for Purdue Farm. They actually wanted not... that. Yeah, if they so pushed mad. for like, it, they pushed. You, you have to live in this country as well. Like, don't you want the country you live in to be nicer? And like, it's just so it's yeah. so mad that that some some people just have such different brains. They marketed it as the non-addictive opioid, which I don't think exists. So, <laughs> the non yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's good heroin. Oh, cool! <laughs> oh, thank God for that. I thought it was bad heroin. This no, is no, no, the no. happy heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This well, way. it's just like laudanum, isn't it? But a hundred years later, it's like a different name. No, I mean that was addictive as well, wasn't oh. it? No one made a joke about laudanum at the beginning of the show. Oh right, okay, yeah, okay. It's the same thing, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But just a hundred years later, and <laughs> just kind of numbing down, dumbing down the population. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So that's, that's, that film's out now and you can go and see it everywhere. I think it's up for an Oscar. It didn't get the BAFTA, but I think it's up for an Oscar and I think, yeah, it's so thought-provoking and then also is so informative and, and has loads of art in it and stuff. 
Is it about her life as well? Is it about her? it is, and yeah. about her kind of childhood, and because um, her sister committed suicide when she was a oh, teenager, okay. but her sister had a lot of problems, and it goes into her family living in suburbia and how they kind of had a lot of problems between all of them, but kind of containing it in this American suburban setting, like almost within the wow. four walls of their home. And kind of, yeah, so this idea of convention, and then she goes and she moves to New York and becomes like very involved in subcultures. Wow, yeah. And so, but I think there's a kind of subplot running through it about like, well, don't, the shame that you put on things that don't deserve shame can push people into doing really extreme things you know what i mean 100 percent shame yes a very powerful emotion yeah absolutely so it's kind of it's, it's, it's really interesting and i, I I'm, a, I'm a big fan unless you hadn't realized <laughs> big fan <laughs> cool. but um so it's quite a timely track actually chosen by selena Ooh. <laughs> which one have you picked uh this is unfuck the world by angel olsen oh i love this My dreaming the moment that I found you. I started dancing just to be around you. Here's to thinking that it all meant so much more. I kept my mouth shut and opened up the door. Listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. If you want to tweet along or find us on Instagram, where can they find us, Matt? It is at Roaring Twenties Radio, and the twenties is two zero S. You can find previous episodes as a podcast, and also you can say you can tell your smart speaker to play Soho Radio, and it works. <laughs> you tried that, didn't you? Yeah, it's very exciting. Does it play Roaring Twenties <laughs> Radio, Soho Radio? If you if, say, if you say 
play Soho Radio, it'll do it live. But if you say play Roaring Twenties Radio, it'll play the latest episode. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's cool, isn't it? Technology. Cool. I, had a, I had a word. We live in the future. <laughs> we we literally live in the future. As a little side thing, last night, as a little treat, I watched a 1980s sci-fi show called V. I don't know if you've heard of it or you know anything about it. Okay, <laughs> this was the show that you'd want to watch. You hope your mum would let you stay up late to watch. There were only ever four... Ep- well, there was a big series after, but there were the initial thing was four episodes and basically these aliens come and they're very, very nice and everyone, everything looks like it's going to be this lovely, friendly thing with humans and the aliens and they're very good looking. Um, and then you find out that actually they eat mice whole and hamsters whole. Oh, no. And it's on Now TV. So if you're looking for something to binge watch, <laughs> it's amazingly <laughs> 80s. It's so fantastic. Wow. And they like, there's this scene. I'm sure this is when I thought I might be a bit queer. There's this scene where this woman who's like the big goddess queen boss of the aliens and she's like standing she's so beautiful and like dark I like dark haired baddies she's like I always like the baddie as opposed to the goody goody blondie yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and uh, you know obviously for obvious reasons but yeah she gets the gerbil and just goes uh, 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 and just eats it whole in oh my the, God. and her whole neck and mouth all like reopens and oh. uh, and uh, it's a fantastic horror and slightly erotic scene Ah, oh, erotic mountain thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so were they, were they, when you say good-looking aliens, do you mean they, did they look like humans, or did they? Or yeah, they're re- yeah they're really good-looking. And then when they have get into an accident or something, then a bit of their skin comes off, and you can see that underneath it's Truth. all oh. it's all reptilian like lizard people. Oh no, people. it's a facade. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. they're talking about hard truths. <laughs> Shall we, we ask you? Oh, I'm so sorry. I went off. <laughs> let, tell us, you, your show, Silly Boy, is mm. on a roll. Mm. So, right, where yeah. did that start? It started at Edinburgh or it started at Soho? No, it actually started. So, you came to the Soho Theatre gig. But I did. Um, actually, what happened was. I'd been writing comedy for the last sort of 10 years, like sort of TV, various TV shows and stuff in the background and like pitching different things and doing bits and bats. And then I had, I've got bipolar disorder, which is what the show's about. And I had a breakdown, a sort of manic depressive episode, which started in 2017 to 2019. And when I was stuck in the house, a comedian friend of mine, Tom Ward, who's quite, quite a big comedian, came over and said, look, Rich, if you ever get out of this, like you've got the maddest stories, you've had the maddest life. Like this is his opinion. You know, you, you, you're the funniest person I know. You've got to start doing stand up. So I was like, okay. So I thought, right, if I get out of this, I'm going to start talking about this. So I started doing a gig in my flat. I basically invited people into my flat. People just sort of sit in the kitchen, sit on my bed. I just started talking about my life, about like bipolar disorder, you know, anorexia, heroin, all these things that I thought I just want to get it out of my head. And uh, they were laughing. I thought this is going to work. And then uh, I sort of, it got too big for my flat. So I had to sort of go to the Camden Comedy Club. So then I started selling out there. And then a big producer called Mick Perrin came along who does Simon Amstel's and Bo Burnham and Eddie Azad's tours. And he said, look, that wasn't a work in progress. That's a good show. Can I take you to Edinburgh? I was like, yes, please. Uh, which is a very expensive thing to do nowadays. He paid for that, which is so lovely. And uh, the next thing I was in Edinburgh and the next thing I was in LA and the next thing I was at Soho Theatre. It's just one of those things where I just kept going and going and going. And uh, yeah, I'm going on tour from April 4th for a month and a half. So yeah, exciting. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. really exciting. That's such a wonderful story. Where are you going to be going on tour? Oh my God, I'm going everywhere. I'm going, I should I should have had a little note with me. Uh, Salford, Oxford, uh, York, Edinburgh, Glasgow, 
at Soho Theatre in London. If you're in London, please come to the Soho Theatre. I would love that. Um, that's my third. I did two sellout runs already. I'm going to do another one, uh, another couple of dates, which should be nice. Um, oh my God, there's so many dates. I haven't got them on me though. They're but they are on your social media. So what's yeah, richhardesty.com. They're all there. And uh, I know it sounded quite depressing what I just said, but the show is actually very... It's about how I became the way I became, things that happened in my childhood, what happens then, how, and what I've learned from losing my mind, I think can really change the world. Yeah. And why, um, you've told us how you came to tell the story, but was there ever a point where you were like, I don't know if I want to share this, what, and what's going to happen? How am I going to feel? Yeah. Some things I was like, I was like, it's interesting doing comedy because sometimes, and that's what work in progress shows before, because there's some things where I will say one thing one way and people would clam up because I don't feel comfortable laughing about it. But then I'd change a few little words, maybe soften it a little bit, and they'll be like, oh, that's that laughing. I think, oh, oh, cool, okay. So it's just it's just working that out before the show was made and just getting to the point now where it's, it's all very funny. It's called Silly Boy. It's 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 because I didn't want to... It's not heavy in any way, is it? You've seen it. It's not like, yeah. oh, it's just... I wanted to do something where you come away feeling sort of inspired and... Uh, good you don't come it's not heavy i'm not I'm, my personality isn't a heavy you know some people you get who do comedy and they don't even talk about heavy things but they've got quite a heavy personality they're like oh life but i'm like hey right it's me it's like i just <laughs> happen to have been a bit bonkers over the last 20 years um but it is very real it's very raw yeah. it's like so you are you're laughing and we're laughing along with you but then there are points where you're like oh should i be laughing and then, yeah. you, then you laugh again <laughs> yeah. because you've made me laugh but then it's like but it kind of tells the story from your childhood all the mm-hmm. way up to now yeah all the way to now and like what I've learned from from losing my mind that made me realise how little control I had over it in the first place. Do you know what I mean? It feels like we're in control of, control of our brains, but we're actually not when you realise when you pay close attention to your mind and you sort of if anyone's here that ever tried to meditate, you know, you can't stop your thoughts coming. And just some of us get good thoughts, some of us get bad thoughts. But it's just and like when you hate someone for the thoughts they have, it's like you can't chop stop your thoughts coming. So to hate someone else for what theirs is doing or for the feelings that they're having, it's just it doesn't make any logical sense when you can't you realise how hard it is to change your own brain. You know what I mean? If you ever like like you can't like things that you like, if you like sweet corn, yeah, you yeah. can't not like sweet corn because you like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some people just unfortunately like some things that are not ideal, but they don't <laughs> choose to like them. They do like them. Do you know what I mean? Like we all do. Like I didn't I didn't choose to like have anorexia. It's not like, I mean, it looks like I did, but did I, or did it just, it just, it's a bad storm, isn't it? We all, and we're all on different journeys. And I just wanted to, I just, I don't know. I think I was just watching what was going on politically and like online. It's just, it's a lot of hatred and anger against each other. But when you realize how hard it is to change your own brain and like anyone like me, who I've done a lot of therapy and the, the amount of effort that goes into sort of rewiring things that like, I don't know. I think the world's changing nowadays. And, um, a lot of people, are. And some people, it's taken them a while to sort of change with the times. But like, we've none of us chose to get told what we got told as kids. You know, it's just we got told things. And like, anyway, anyway, I don't, I don't want to get into like controversial territories. But you know, things are happening in the world now where things are starting to things that we thought one way are now another way. And some people like are not, you know, they're not not really changing as quick as some people. But don't hate them because they're not because it's not their fault that they got told it was this. I mean, they didn't choose to get told that. And I just anyway. That's yeah, just, it's like there's thing. everyone's coming at things from different points of view and I guess you've got a I don't know hopefully we'll all I don't think the world's ever going to come to a giant consensus no it never is you, you don't even come to a consensus with yourself a lot of the time you know you're <laughs> thinking I want that I want this I want this new top I don't like the top anymore you're constantly changing so yeah. we're trying to make everyone fit and f- enjoy the same things at the same time it's just never ever going to work and once you realise that you can sort of relax your brain a little bit it's never going to happen but yeah. I do think I do think there's a slight opening up of 
I think I think it's an honesty thing, mm-hmm. like about mental health. I do think most people have had some kind of mental health issue in their lives. I wouldn't yeah. say was it. And varying levels or whatever but yeah, yeah varying yeah. levels and it's like i think there's now it is more of a consensus of oh yeah i've experienced that i've thought that on some level i felt yeah. that and i think that there is a kind of an opening up with that how do you Absol- do you think so yeah definitely i mean that's the thing i i sort of view everything as a sort of like a mental health not not in a, not a drastic way just the fact like what is what is fear but like a type of insanity. What is love? Yeah, you go temporarily insane. Like, like that's what you do with anorexia. Or any of these things, you go mad. And a few years later, you go, "What the hell was I thinking?" Yeah, and yeah. that's that's what I feel quite s- s- sort of sad about. Like, say prisons. I think a lot of times when you look at people in prisons, like I could have done something in that ten years when I lost my mind. That now I'd be sat in prison going, "What? That's not me." Like, well, sorry, mate, you're in here for life now. You know I mean like I think what happened? This is one of the big thing. I used, I was used to self harm, and I think. If I'd have, like, what I had then was like an uncontrollable urge to hurt myself. But if that uncontrollable urge had been to hurt someone else, I'd be an evil person. But mine luckily was aimed at myself. But that's that's just pure luck that mine was aimed at myself. Because some people go through things that makes them not like other people. Maybe they've been hurt. Yeah. And then they do and lash out and do strange things. And I just, yeah, I just think the message from the whole show is just about compassion. About yeah. like just trying to help people look at people you'd have to you'd have to love people and want to hug them but just to not hate them for who they are because they're not choosing to be who they are we all are who we are through a lot of things that happened to us that we didn't get to choose to experience like our brains the experiences we go through our, whatever happened to us as kids all these things yeah anyway do you get a lot of people talking to you about the show or coming afterwards. up afterwards yeah yeah that's a, one of the best things actually i had i had a really mad thing happen i, I went to, when i did edinburgh um another bit of luck I did the last show in Edinburgh after the whole run and uh, there was a guy people get cry sometimes but happy crying Yeah, says, I want to just say now this is a very fun show yeah. <laughs> it sounds very heavy but it's actually a very very fun fun show um, and there was a guy yeah crying in the audience and he just said and I gave him a hug and he said oh thanks mate I wasn't sort of expecting that anyway he left and then uh, about four days later I got a message on Insta- Twitter saying hey Rich it's that guy you hugged uh, look I've had issues with uh, sort of eating in my family and sort of drugs and stuff and uh, um, basically I'm, I'm quite a successful guy now and I want to pay for you to go on tour so he funded the whole tour he said it's too important to not have this out there I was like whoa that's so wonderful and I think as I'm listening to you talk it's not just compassion for like other people but also having forgiveness and compassion for yourself yeah well that's and that's what i'm hearing when i'm hearing you talk absolutely it sounds like you've really gone on that journey and sort of you know forgiven yourself and yeah and done that which is something like we will go around forgiving the worst people who've done the worst shit to us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then the one person we've, we've forgotten to to make friends with is our younger self yeah percent. yeah i think i think a lot of the time and it also works the other way as well like if what happened for me was i like basically i sort of realized uh, you know i don't control my thoughts really they just keep coming i don't really control my feelings like your feelings are just going to come you're not choosing your feelings you don't really control what you believe do you because like you know if you if you believe in god you can't just choose not to believe you'll be, you you might not you might change your opinion but you don't just choose to not it will just change and you'll go oh i don't think i believe in that anymore yeah. so and once i realized i didn't control that for myself i could forgive myself but you can't you can't logically forgive yourself but not other people you know what I mean? You can't go. Well, it's not my. It's not necessarily my fault. I've got, but but it is yours. I hate you. It's like, <laughs> oh no, he's like me. We're all just. Oh my god, everyone's like me. And it just yeah, it really shifts the way you. Yeah, even your internal monologue. Like I speak to myself in ways that I would never speak to anyone else. You know, oh, like, yeah. you berate yourself for something. Or Brutal, whatever. aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. we really. Yeah, I, th- I find everyone does that. If you spoke to anyone the way you speak to yourself, you'd be. Well, you won't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I really, I really want to say it. it's really, a, a really fun and like silly show. It's like, I don't, I'm not a serious heavy person. Like we're talking about some heavy, heavy things now, which are quite big, but um, I like, I'm just, I'm, I'm a, 
I'm no, it's really fun. It's really fun. And you get a sense of, I got a sense of you were really enjoying doing it. And you're, there was something quite unburdening. You seem very free. Oh my God, it's the best You're thing having to do. a laugh. And you end up standing on a table at the end anyway. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, spoiler. spoiler. That was so, yeah, a it, is, it is very, uh, <laughs> it is very, come, come and see what may or may not happen at the end. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of the best. <laughs> it's one of the best. It's like, it's like saying, I love that show, uh, that new film, Bruce Willis, uh, The Sixth Sense. Look at how you're dead at the end. Oh no 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 no! Sorry sorry. No, it you're wasn't not dead at the that end. bad. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, but no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's really it's the best. I think doing the shows really helped me as well because it's like it makes you know if, if you don't do something with like the things that happen to you, they just they're sort of wasted. But now now I used to look back at those things and think, oh, it's really shame those things happen. But now I'm like, it's actually good they happen because now I get to do this about it, and this is changing my life now. I'm getting you know I'm doing this. I'm writing a TV show about it. It's like this is thank God that happened to me. Do you know what I mean? It's really, I'm really, it makes me look back on the whole thing oh. with like positivity. You're reminding me of that gorgeous quote. I say it a lot about my things, but yeah, oh. Tina Turner, she's like, um, making medicine out of poison. Ooh, like Ooh. it. That's yes. what you're doing. That's I, what you're doing. Thank you very much. Nice. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's just taking it and again, like, it's like a little judo move when something comes out and you sort of use that to like, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the best. I couldn't be happier than I am. No. All right, wonderful. Well, on that note, let's have a track. This is Float by Janelle Monet. Woohoo! I can't hear myself. I'm 
my blessings We ain't stressing, just look at this glow I got that magic, I'm really prepared for whatever, whenever So who wants to smoke? Came back from the future to take all y'all niggas and take all y'all hoes They said I was by, yeah baby I'm by a whole nother coast She stay in the hills, he stay in Atlanta, I pay for them both My face guard don't come with a limit, I swipe it, I spin it, I swear I be doing the most Look, floor on my floor, on this floor They hanging on in that goose down in my car Float all of my floor, on this floor I don't step, I don't walk, I don't dance I just float, 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 float I don't dance, I just float, float, mm, float, float, float Smell the flowers, felt empty now for hours. Lost my power. Now I can't smell the flowers. I'm sick of all these towers. Think I done too many times. Getting high. Smell the flowers and I'm sick of all these towers Done too many downers I can't smell the flowers Been hanging out for hours Where's my powers? And I'm sick of all these towers Towering over me Feeling fucking lonely Like no one even knows me Not even my own Clear my mind 
Welcome back. Welcome back. I was having a little dance there, and I was miles away. Yeah, <laughs> Selena was having a boogie. You can't really dance in it, it's too hot. You need to just conserve you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Great, to the heat. Yeah, if we all of you sound a bit sleepy, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but right, welcome back. We're talking to Rich Hardesty about his show, and Silly Boy, yep. which is touring throughout April mm-hmm. and May. I've got some, I can get some dates for it as well, actually. I'm going to be back in Soho, if you're listening in London, Soho Theatre on the 9th and 10th of January, March, April, May. May? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Sorry, yeah. 9th and 10th. Um, please do come along. I would love to have you along. It's uh, probably the last one I'll do there, actually. Oh, that's a big moment. I know. A big transition. Ooh, I know. I went to, <laughs> went to do the show in LA at a place called uh, Dynasty Typewriter. That was quite a thrilling experience. What was that like? What's it like in LA? Uh, well, it's completely mad. <laughs> there's a mad place isn't it it's a very bizarre strange place i had a, had a really had a quite a mad thing happen basically i did this show in edinburgh and um i had a nightmare where the show got taken away for a week and i uh, couldn't i could i had to get my own tech i had to start flying myself so i had to fly for like eight hours a day to get people down to the show and um and then i flyered these four americans and they were like oh rich oh my god we love you you know, you know americans are like very lovely and upbeat and anyway they said oh, we're gonna come to your show so they came to the show and then they came afterwards they came up to me and said oh matt we loved it best thing we've seen we loved it so and i was like okay thank you so much anyway then i got a message about two days on the next day actually on instagram saying hi rich uh, we didn't tell you this but we're, we're actually from disney can you come to our hotel and i was like yes so i went to go to the hotel and it was a head of casting for all the disney films and head of casting for marvel and stuff anyway so they they sorted me out over there and they sort of helped me put on this show and went they all came back down and got a lot of casting people and uh got me free tickets to disneyland what so that was that cool like? what's disneyland amazing like? i told them i'd never been they were like oh my god we're gonna sort you out so i got like a chaperone in there taking me to the front of the queue it was amazing wow. yeah got taken to the disney lot and like it's, yeah it was, it was totally mind-blowing I, when i was a kid this is quite tragic i was because I'm, I'm people say about me i'm basically stuck in my childhood which i am um and uh i used to i was so desperate to go i used to actually said to my mum, i went i called up the local what do you call it um travel agents and I got the promotional video for Disneyland and I used to sit and watch it going right look like sort of saying look and she'd be like we well, can't afford it which is too expensive I was like oh, I knew I never got to go but now I went big time it was so good what Just, rides did you do um there was a new Avengers one which is basically that used to be something called something mountain it was he sort of takes you up and drops you down I mean it's there's so much mad stuff this uh, Indiana Jones one was quite exciting oh I bet that's I, I want to do that one yeah, that like was great. Jones. There was, a, I mean, it's, there's, it's just a mad place. It's so, I mean, it's so America. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just, I just, I'm just so glad to have actually got it out of my system now. Finally, like, like a big kid. Yeah, just going yeah. around like, uh, yeah. And what my... was it like with a US audience? I don't know why, and I might be completely misjudging it, but I sometimes feel like we are slightly more open to darker sides of things yeah so. certain things even though the show isn't that it, it's a funny show yeah it's upbeat, yeah yeah but. yeah i know what you mean so it's not it's not straight like hey hey buddy how you doing it's not that sort of thing it's uh but the place was they do a lot of interesting things like nanette a show called nanette which was big on netflix which is about this woman coming out and they have a lot of sort of slightly different things at dynasty type, dynasty type right they had um it's weird like a couple of days before me they had seth rogan on a couple of days after it was adam sandler it's quite a big i was like well i can't believe i'm getting to perform here um but no, they were very, they're very susceptible, open to it. And because uh, I, I talk about this in the show briefly, I basically, one of the stories in the show is I came out of a, out of a psychiatric ward one time and uh, put on a backpack and flew to America and I tracked down my biological father. So I got an American passport now, which is great. But uh, that's a mad old story. <laughs> Just spent three months in America roaming around on a man going, Daddy! <laughs> and uh, and, he, and it was, yeah, it was a crazy. Where was he? He was, um, he was in the middle of the desert in Nevada. Um, yeah, wow. it's a mad story, which I. 
I'll tell, yeah, you, yeah, tell yeah. you off air. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally just the create. I had to come back as well, come back from finding him and go back to a psychiatric ward and go, oh, no, I'm an American. Like, my family daddy does this weird. And like, uh, he's gone mad again. I thought I'd gone mad again. Anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny, that's funny an, story. That's an incredibly courageous thing to do, actually. I think I, I know a lot of people that have gone to try and find the other half, the other bits, the missing mm. people, you know, and it is quite a thing to do. So hats off oh, to you for doing it. Thank you. That. I was so intrigued. I couldn't, I just, I, it had been niggling me my whole life. And I was like, do you know what? Sod it. And it's one thing that mainly you can do for you. It'll give you a drive. I'll tell you what, I did another one of the things that happens in the uh, in the show that I talk about. I basically woke, it was in the lockdown actually, I basically I couldn't sleep one night and I just woke up, I couldn't stop thinking about the sea. I just got out of bed and I walked 82 miles to Margate and jumped into the sea <laughs> from Hackney. Wow. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, straight down the A2. How long did it take you stop you for to snacks? Walk? Yeah, that's the thing. It was amazing. It taught me a lot, though. It's really an amazing thing. I stopped for food. Yeah, uh, I'm immediately snacks. Did yeah. you have snacks? What did you eat? <laughs> I, I just sort of got whatever. I don't know. I treated it like a sort of psychedelic trip. I was like, right, just show me what I need to say. So I just kept walking and like whatever I saw, I saw. So I couldn't plan the route. I just did. I needed to get to the sea. And uh, yeah, I stepped to this guy's garden and this really lovely. F- I was it got, got to like half ten at night and I was in the middle of Faversham, I think it was, and like knocked on some guy's door. I was like, "Hi, I'm walking to Margate. Can I stay?" In can I stay in your garden? He's like, what, for charity? I was like, no. He's like, what, are you documenting it? No, like, okay, fine. But he was really sweet, actually. His He was called Rich, his wife was called Rach, and the dog was called Reg, and I was called Rich, and we were all just sat in the garden having cups of tea. And then, then <laughs> hello, Rich, hello, Rich, hello, Rich. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right, see them off to my gate. Did they give you rich tea biscuits? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That digest is all, all, the, all the usual, some Rockies. Um, and then, yeah, the next day I just walked along and just, yeah, plopped in the sea and then got on the train home. Anyway, very bizarre. But uh, lots of weird stuff like that happening in the show. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What else was there to do in lockdown? No, that was it. I think I've just been stuck inside for so... I mean, there's loads of other weird stuff I've done. Like, when you get manic, you just have to do the thing you can. I was laid in bed one day and I couldn't stop thinking about um, about uh, about free will and how the fact... You know, these people in prison, like, you shouldn't be in prison. Because, you know, like, you know, we go through things and it's, it feels weird to punish someone who, who's... A lot of them are already traumatised anyway. And I just basically got out of bed and went straight down to Pentonville Prison. I was, like, banging on the door going, let me in, let me in. And this woman came out and I was like, what, what, what are you doing? I was like, we can't have these people locked up. They shouldn't be in there. And then there's this, like, uh, vicar guy sat outside. He went, hey, you, you, you come here, what, what, what are you saying there? And I was like, oh, but we shouldn't be locking people up. And I was I started ranting at him and he went, do you know what? This is interesting. I could use you. He went, take my number, come to my house for some tea and we can chat about this because I'm trying to reform prisons. Anyway, I got chatting to him and uh, I said, I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I used to be, I got put in there as, uh, for perjury. I went, oh, a bit of a fibber. He went, yeah. I said, what's your name? He went, oh, my name's Jonathan Aitken. You know, Jonathan Aitken, oh. a politician. So I've been going down to Jonathan Aitken's house and like having cups of tea and like chatting about it. So another weird thing that happened from That's my so stupid random. brain. But it sounds Amazing. like a lot comes from it though. Like it's like yeah. it's never just a one-way thing. No, there's always there's always something mad happening. If you go out into the world and you're a little bit mad, mad stuff will happen. Sounds like you've got all the doors and windows open, <laughs> which is really good because all this sort of stuff can fly in. Can fly in, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. you just got to have them constantly open and see yeah. what stuff's always floating through your way. And Yeah, yeah. That's right. how yeah, I, I think of you as one of those people all the doors and windows are open yeah. I've got quite a lot of doors and windows open I get you it'd be good to be able to open the window in here to be fair with the heat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no yeah you're right it's good to it's good to just like people always say you've got some mad st- how do you always end in these situations it's just like if you just go and do stuff weird stuff happens yeah exactly and you know what I don't know whenever you think about it it's like you never as you talk about regret and there's really if you think about it just going and doing stuff and living your life you never really regret anything no because it's like Life is short. Just do what you do. What you're going to do. Yeah, within all, reason. With reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go serial killing. But like. But also there was these things like. 
Sometimes you can regret it at the time, but later on, you realize it was actually very important. Like all the things that happened to me, for instance, with the show, right? Like there's this amazing quote. Uh, it's like a Zen sort of poem thing by the, uh, the Tale of the Chinese Farmer. Have you heard that? So good, right? So this sorts my head out whenever something bad happens. So basically there was, there was a guy and he, uh, he was living on a farm and he, had a, and he had a horse. And one day the horse ran away and all the villagers went, oh, that's terrible news. And he goes, maybe. And the next day it comes up with five other horses and the villagers go, that's great news. And he goes, maybe and the next day his son falls off one of the horses and breaks his leg and they all go oh, that's bad news and he goes maybe and the next day the army come to take everyone away to the war and they can't take his son because he's got a broken leg and they go that's great news he goes maybe you just don't know the good or bad outcomes of positive or bad things you just can't tell at the time it's only in hindsight later you go it's actually good that happened now you know it's just anyway so it's it's always good if something bad happens to think hmm, maybe this is good in the long run. Yeah, yeah. You, know I mean? you never know how things how the cards are gonna fall. Yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah. Just exactly. Stick with it. Just good put, attitude. Yeah, put one good foot attitude. in front of the other and do it. Keep going. Yeah, Keep going, exactly. man. <laughs> All right. So on that note, we're gonna get on to some Jefferson Airplane. This Ooh. is somebody to love. When the truth is found to be
tether up off, we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. Tether up off, we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. Tether up off, we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. Tether up off, we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker.
to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. It's February, the skies are blue, and there's lots of beautiful books to read. Oh my goodness, I've been reading a lot. I've actually been reading a lot of poetry, and I've also been doing a lot of audio books. But I'm just going to tell you about some of the highlights of my uh, my hermit time, which is coming to an end. I'm actually going to be going out and doing some gigs again in March. And I'm kind of scared to sort of break that bubble, because it's just been such a lovely time. I got some new pyjamas for Christmas, and I've literally just been wearing them like like my second skin and reading books and drinking lots of tea it's been very very nice it's a bit scary going back out into the world to do people and all that stuff but if you do grab time to read here's some lovely things that i'd like to tell you about so a huge highlight on audiobooks um i am absolutely glued to i used to live here once the haunted life of jean reese i've talked about jean reese a lot on this show um and how much i like her and adore her and admire her work but here is the biography it's absolutely fantastic it's an absolute belter of a biography it's by Ah, it's by Miranda Seymour, and um, and it's just so fascinating that it's literally, quite literally, a hundred years ago that there was this fantastically talented, brilliant, fiery boozy writer and just all the mischief and all the sad times and all the trauma and amazing challenges and obstacles that she was overcoming due to racism and sexism and elitism and snobbery and her own you know uh, traumas and her own obstacles that she's creating for herself and you're sort of you know I don't know I always felt very um protective about Jean Rees um, I particularly love her novels that she wrote in Paris in the 19... of, of and about Paris in the 1930s um, and just how they were received and how they were ignored. Um, and I just find it such an amazing... We nearly missed Jean Reese if it wasn't for, you know, people going and finding her when she was much, much older and... Um, you know, and and then of course everyone knows the wide Sargasso Sea, which came out when she was, you know, very elderly. Um, but there was this all this stuff she was doing in the 1920s and 1930s, which I find fascinating because that's an era that is so dominated by very male writing, by George Orwell. You got Down and Out Paris, and you've got you know all the stuff. You've got Fitzgerald, and you've got Hemingway, and you've got all these very male gaze, the male gaze of Paris. But here you have Jean Reese, you know, matching them drinks for drink um and you know having that caribbean accent and and that and god she wasn't she wasn't you know she didn't do herself any favors at all 
Um, anyway, as you can tell, I've been really like glued to um, to 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 listening to it. It's the obsessive and troubled genius. Jean Rhys is one of the most compelling and unnerving writers of the 20th century. Memories of a conflicted Caribbean childhood haunt the four fictions that Rhys wrote during her extraordinary years in exile in 1920s Paris and later in England. Rhys's experience of heartbreak, poverty, notoriety, breakdowns and even imprisonment all become grist for her writing, forming an iconic Rhys woman whose personality, vulnerable, witty, watchful and angry, was often mistaken and still is seen as self-portrait. Anyway, I really highly recommend that. That just, it's been blowing my socks off. It's amazing. And moving on. OK, so stand up. Our lovely friend, friend of the show, Nick S. Shukla, has a new book out. It's coming out next week. Stand up is, it's a, it's a beautiful book. And it's it's not really my, it's more for like a youth, like young, what do you call it again? A children's. Not children's, YA. YA, you thought you... I was trying to find the word, sorry. Um, So, yeah, so that's coming out next week. And and I I think I just love Nikesh's writing. Of course, we all love Nikesh for The Good Immigrant and Brown Baby and all his other fantastic work. I hope we can get him on the show to come in and and read some of this work with us and come and chat to us. That would be so nice. So that's another one that's coming out this week. Also on my hot list is Let Me Tell You What I Mean, Joe Didion. Okay, so I just... Got this and it's just fantastic. It's so good. Twelve early pieces, never before collected, that often an illuminated glimpse into the mind and process of Joe Didion. That's been um, a fascinating read. Um, as I said, I've been reading a lot of poetry. I've been reading a lot of Ocean, and I've been reading a lot of uh, Kim at Nozio and Ocean Young and. Oh, God, I love poetry. It's really nice when you get into your poetry brain and you're just like, and Ada Limon, sorry, I haven't got this written down, but yeah, Ada Limon as well, I love her. And yeah, poetry, God, just spend an afternoon reading poetry. It's such a luxury, such a lovely thing to do. Anyway, Ada Limon, The Hurting Kind, is the book I've just finished. And coming soon, good friend of the show, is we have The Cat Prince and Other Poems. That's coming from Michael Pedersen. So hopefully we'll get a little a little interview with him. Now moving into the area of memoir, This Ragged Grace, a memoir of renewal Uh, Sorry, A Memoir of Recovery and Renewal. Now, that's the complete opposite of the very boozy Jean Reesey headspace where I've been in. So this is um, from the beautiful Octavia Bright, who's a really good friend of mine, and she's coming out on Canongate. And um, here's a little excerpt. I kept putting myself in danger, and I couldn't make it stop. It rarely felt like a choice, though, of course, in some ways it was. It's only the death drive, my dear, Freud would likely tell me if I lay my body down on his carpet-covered couch. Everybody needs a little oblivion. Besides, what is the fantasy of the night on the white charger, if not an abandonment wish, a desire to be rescued from your own life by a story? So that's coming soon. That's coming out in um, in June, and that's this Ragged Grace by Octavia Bright. Okay, I'm, I probably should come to the end, but before I go, I just want to say I spent a day reading the new um, memoir from Jenny Fagan. It's not even coming out till August, but I sat down, picked it up, thought, "Oh, I'll skim through this," and I read the entire book. It took it's like four hundred pages, massive book. It's called Utlin. It's Scottish. It's beautiful. It's Jenny Fagan. We have to get her 
to come in and talk to us and read this I think this is going to be my book of the year which is a big thing to say when it's only February hmm. but yeah Ootlin the childhood literary childhood memoir by Jenny Fagan it absolutely took my breath away I couldn't put it down I read it for an entire like I was still reading it going to bed that night on that Saturday oh my gosh she can write and that's a yeah, really really highly recommend look out for the pre-orders for that and there endeth my book talk Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, the monthly show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. We've now reached the section of the show where we're going to speak about a brand new release from Selena Godden, which is extremely exciting. What is it that you are releasing into the world? Oh, I'm very, very excited to be releasing into the world. Um, Pessimism is for lightweights, 30 
pieces of courage and resistance is a hardback edition of the original pamphlet which was pessimism is for lightweights 13 pieces of courage and resistance so it's got some new material and some um and some changes and revisions um the pamphlet came out in 2018 so here we are five years later looking at those poems and where we were in 2018 and coming with a another another run at it with uh, and it's just so beautifully um designed by craig oldham so it's the same i don't know if you remember the pamphlet had the big words and the big colors and shapes so yeah it looks amazing i always think of pessimism as being a big part of your guy's story the yeah poem itself pessimism yeah. is for lightweights yeah i'll never forget that gig you did at byline not i think it was the summer you published that pamphlet and just the performance of it in the tent you know like in the with the amphitheater bit oh it's just phenomenal it was such a moment that was it the recording of that that we put out on the uh, yeah. byline ep yeah 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 did we yeah. call it the byline ep live at byline festival EP. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was a real moment that's some that whole summer though because you were doing the women's march and you you did the gig at parliament square yeah and then the festival it was really phenomenal but obviously a lot's happened since then so yeah yeah there's a lot a lot of energy that that particular summer yeah so let's see what he does this summer. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> here we are five years later. Everyone's here for it. Yeah. 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 But what was it like kind of almost revisiting something like that, something that had, you know, such a snowball? I mean, obviously, you don't want to keep going on about lockdown, but there was, a, there was a pause that doesn't doesn't exist, depending on how we feel. But what was it like to go back to that poem and to put, and to put it together and kind of take something that was a pamphlet and that was quite immediate and a lot of live gigs and protest and make it something very permanent? Well, I think uh, Nina, uh, um, Nina and I, uh, Nina at Rough Trade Books and I, have talked about it being a hardback for a while. In fact, I think th- I think we were talking about this back in 2018 yeah. and 2019. Then you know, then we went into you know lockdown and everything. And also, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death took over my life pretty yeah. much, and, and and real life took over my life too. So um, so it was sort of something that had that we were sort of marinating and thinking about. So the poems that I've chosen that are in this are of that era and some of them are of, of this era of this time and that changing time um for example the poem red is in there but i've revisited that poem and there's some changes that i've made very subtle but they do they because i've performed that poem so many times yeah, yeah. now so it's it feels and looks on the page more how i perform it um so many of the poems i've performed so many times at so many festivals in sort of 2017 2018 20 you know around brexit time as well yeah so so yeah so just like little little like just finessing yeah before they go into the hardback yeah yeah so really and um uh so for people who've got the pamphlet why should they buy the hardback well, for a start, you get double the poems. Yes. There's an amazing foreword by our dear friend John Higgs. John Higgs, of course, Wonderful. has written a beautiful introduction to the book. Um, and John Higgs, of course, is where and how the poem Pessimism is for Lightweights came to be. Um, it was uh, me. I was at a talk watching John speak and he said that phrase. And then he asked me to write a poem for his book, Watling Street. And so I said, only if I can call the poem Pessimism is for Lightweights. So that's how the poem even came to be. So um, there's that. There's also the old English translation by Emily Emily Cotman, which is beautiful, and you just hear it and see this old English, and it really is. I mean, the poem is, you know, think of those that walked this road before, 
and it's like that the, the way that we go round in circles yeah, and yeah. the way that we are marching forwards but sometimes it feels like we're on an escalator and kind of not getting anywhere you know yeah 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 but also i guess when the pamphlet came out nobody could have predicted how how the extent to which it would blow up and it was so phenomenal and that that summer when you're doing those gigs and also rough trade books was quite young at that point as well it was only the second thing second yeah. pamphlet that ever put out so this yeah. hardback like had to come out because it had to capture everything that happened as a result of a pamphlet right it's yeah. almost like bookending what pessimism is right which was never just a pamphlet yeah it's back to movement right yeah so this documents that i guess yeah and it also and also this is part of a a bigger story a bigger campaign to celebrate five years of rough trade books right so um i wasn't the first pamphlet i was the second pamphlet but it was like right that they you know we they launched rough trade books with, yeah. with these with this set of pamphlets so yeah so it's the five-year anniversary of rough trade books who have done phenomenally well for a new baby indie um um imprint it's um, hard to imagine things without them now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I was also curious to ask about... I forgot about this until just now. It popped into my head. But that amazing thing that happened when you mentioned the old English version, that which happened in lockdown, when by, whereby people were translating the poem into all kinds of different languages. And yeah. it, it was like part... That was a way of people, it, it felt like a very, it was a healing thing, wasn't it? When we couldn't really get out and about or see people. Yeah, that was wonderful. There, we um, I can't remember what year that was. It might have been 2019. Um, and we had uh, people from all over the world were doing their version. We had versions in Russian and French and Spanish and 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 all old old Cornish. We had one in old Cornish, which was amazing. You can find that on YouTube. Um, you know the old ancient Cornish language. Um, and that was really been Welsh and and everything. It was fantastic. And that was one way of us kind of like sharing the work. And of course the poem was outside the Arnolfini for a year um, and it's now um, as a uh, where is it? It's so a People's History Museum in Salford. In Manchester, yeah, yeah. of course it is. And uh, yeah, and it's on permanent display there, and it's very yellow there, and it's a, and it's like a little, yeah, it's a, amazing. There's nothing little about it. It's huge. <laughs> it's really exciting, though. Yeah. And what's it been? What was it like to go back into poetry after focusing on a novel so long? Um, well, I haven't really. I've been writing. Po I'm always writing poetry. Yeah. I don't ever feel like that. It all. Yeah, but this this collection is very much the of a voice and of a time and of a feeling. Um, it's very goes with the daffodils and it goes with spring and it's very, you know, optimistic and full of courage and and just as it says on the tin, courage and resistance. Um, so yeah, it's nice to take a break from that. Um, I have books coming with Canongate next year, 2024 and 2025, which will be a very different tone and a very different feel. So it's nice to like dance in the yellow for a while before we go back into more Mrs. Death and more memoir stuff and more serious work. Are you going to read something for us? Yeah, I thought I might just read this really short one. As I said, there's new material in the book. Oh, and there's also this amazing artwork, these posters, which are with, like, courage as a muscle and, and which you'll be able to put on your walls or in your office or in your bedroom or whatever. So or, or pin to your fringe or whatever. Anyway, um, so here's a, a really short little poem, just one of the new ones. This is how it starts in books. So... This is how it starts in books. They burn or ban books in books that imagine a world that burns or bans books. It starts there, 
with books that dare to say, this is how it is, or this is how it was, or this is how it could be. And if you read books, you will know from books that this is how it ends. So, this is how it starts. Mm. Wow. Thank
listening, you've been listening, you've been listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. We're coming to the end of the show now and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the show, please tweet us at... At Roaring Twenties Radio and the 20s is 20S. And if you want to see our faces and have a look at what things we like, have a look at our Instagram at... Yeah, the same, at Roaring Twenties Radio. Yeah, and also all the previous episodes are on anchor.fm forward slash Roaring Twenties Radio or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Oh, you'll find us on Soho Radio. Yeah. 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 And on the Alexa thing. Yeah, Ooh. tell any smart, any smart speaker from yeah, any company. Yeah, any veritable smart speaker, <laughs> sorry. So tell them to play yes. Roaring Twenties Radio. On there the are other smart speakers available. There are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Thanks thank for you. listening. It's been wonderful to be back. It's been wonderful to have Matt in the flesh. See you in March. Thank you very yeah, much. 25th of March. See you there. See you then. Bye. Bye.